By the early 20th century, Trinidad is once more enjoying a period of great prosperity that has come not from sugar, because sugar, as you can see from the fate of the Woodbrook Estate, sugar is by this time not the cash crop that it was. It is requiring labor that is difficult to get. It is just not the gold that it was before. But cocoa, cocoa is king, literally, and Trinidad is seeing a period of prosperity out of the prosperity of cocoa estates. Welcome to Growing Up Woodbrook. I'm Cecile George, Woodbrook born and raised and a member of the Woodbrook Residence Committee. As Trinidad's economy transferred from sugar to cocoa in the last decades of the 19th century, Woodbrook's composition also began to change rapidly. Cocoa revitalized the fortunes of the French Creoles and also enriched a larger, multi-hued, multi-racial group. And this new middle class increasingly wanted to live in Woodbrook. This is episode eight, Design of a District. Oh, what a decent locality, now is the Woodbrook vicinity. You have a growing middle class, you'd call it a, a clerical class, that is required to manage the economy in this time, and it, it appears that these are the people that the Woodbrook Estate is hoping to attract as they build new housing outside of Port of Spain, which by this time is very congested, very old, very dilapidated. There are lots of slum areas that have been developed going back to the emancipation period. And here we have Woodbrook estate developing from 1911. At this time, the barrack yards in Port of Spain were being demolished, and many of those occupants headed to Woodbrook seeking accommodation. Here, rents were lower than in the city and other suburbs, and these first occupants were decidedly working class and of all ethnicities. I'm Rudilyn Defoe Roberts. I'm a registered architect, and I am a founding member of Citizens for Conservation and I am a member of the Landmarks Committee of the National Trust of Trinidad and Tobago. Port of Spain began to grow and develop and they needed more housing, they needed more room to expand and the sugar estates that were close to the downtown Port of Spain area began to be developed and we had Victoria Square and then that moved on to Woodbrook basically. But Newtown, Woodbrook, all of these areas going west were actually planned and laid out properly in a grid following what Governor Woodford was doing in Port of Spain and it just came and went further west and further west. So the laying out of Woodbrook is the beginning of contemporary town planning. So, in what might be Trinidad's earliest efforts at gentrification, the town board placed a minimum value requirement on houses being built in the area. The price was well above what most working class tenants could afford. The effect was to encourage a relocation of lower income dwellers to other suburbs and an influx of the local Creole elite and merchant class into Woodbrook. Governor Woodford did a lot of the planning of Port of Spain in that he laid out parks in downtown. You know, we have Lord Harris Square, Independence Square, you have all these interlinked parks. And so Woodbrook, as Woodbrook came along, that idea extended 
into Woodbrook and we got Victoria Square and we have Adam Smith Square and we have all the other little parks the Woodbrook Park by where the police station is now and you have another one further down the street where the Anglican Church is so the idea that we need green spaces to breathe <laughs> came from Governor Woodford and it was taken into these areas. The invention of the power saw in 1923 came amidst a building boom in Port of Spain and its suburbs. You have St. James, all that was sugar estates there. Marval Road and all those areas were part of all these sugar plantations. In fact, where Tattle is now was a great house. That was the great house for the plantation there. The estates were absorbed into Port of Spain and divided into housing lots and all these people just built homes along here. The most famous architect and builder was a Scotsman named George Brown, whose gingerbread style houses became very popular in the new neighborhood. He was a big part of the development of Port of Spain. The building on Cipriani Boulevard that is now known as Jenny's, that's a George Brown building. He designed that as one of his earlier buildings. Brown was highly influential not only on the look of young Woodbrook, but also on building methods and processes in the whole of Port of Spain. He came at a time when Port of Spain was expanding. He came at a time when we were rebuilding a lot of downtown Port of Spain from old wooden buildings and he introduced cast iron structures, prefabricated components for buildings and you could go to his workshop on Richmond Street and you can buy doors and windows and lengths of fretwork and panels of fretwork above your doors and windows and things like that. He started prefabricating those things. Before that, every building was done by a joiner and a builder and the joiners designed their own fretwork and cut their own fretwork with the fret saw and had handmade everything. He while his things were still handmade, he had a production line. So as the houses in Woodbrook developed, you began seeing similarity in patterns in the different buildings. Prefabricated components were imported from the United States and Europe. George Brown imported from Glasgow cast iron. So you have lots of beautiful cast iron fences and balconies and, and whatnot. And again, bought out of a catalog. If you were doing a house, you could go to George Brown and you could say, you know, I, I want a nice cast iron fence for my front of my yard. And he had a catalogue and you order it by the foot. And he would bring it from Scotland and you would install it. Brown's architectural style set him apart from the other builders of the time, whose names are mostly now lost to history. We don't understand why George Brown designed the way he did, but it was really the comfort of the people living in the building was what was important. It wasn't the economics. George Brown's buildings had very steep roofs and they generally had two gables and a portcachet in the middle and or some variant of that. There were very often porches. Some had wraparound porches but some didn't but there was always a front porch and the buildings were designed for the tropics because everywhere you looked there was fixed ventilation. So at night when you closed your window, which was usually a double hung window, you had jealousies on both sides. You had fretwork above the doors and above the walls in the houses so that you can get air flowing from one side of the house through the windows, through the jealousies, over the walls on the inside and flowing back out on the other side. So the cross ventilation was perfect. So those houses were designed for the comfort of the people in mind. The materials kept the insides of the houses cool. 
the design of the rooms and how everything worked made it a delight to live in those houses. They were built off the ground and that was to keep the timbers dry so that air passed under the house all the time, air passed through the house all the time and air passed through the attic to keep the roof timbers dry all the time. So there was always air flowing in and out of George Brown's houses. His Trinidad houses are also unique in the Caribbean islands. You see some of it in Guyana, but not up the islands. The difference is because we didn't have hurricanes here in Trinidad. He was able to express his artistic side and really do pretty buildings with lots of decoration and frou-frou. And this made the city and its suburbs an attractive place to live and work. Trinidad would, at one time was called the jewel of the Caribbean, Port of Spain, because we had so many pretty little gingerbread houses, starting from two-room type houses to big mansions, and they were pretty, they were joyous. I don't know how else to, to describe it. We're just a lovely city. But as with everything else, Woodbrook's architectural styles were influenced by world events. Buildings started changing in 1920 from the George Brown typical type of building. After World War I, you began to see the styles changing a little bit because there wasn't a lot of money around for people to get extravagant with their homes. You saw the roof slopes started changing and they, there was less decoration. And while you will see the wide verandas and the cross ventilation, but it was much simpler. You got more louvers and straight bars rather than lacy fretwork and that then went into the art deco era so they started building the buildings a little cheaper and a lot simpler and if we look at the buildings you could almost tell sometimes which era they belong to you know pre world war one after world war one and then by the time world war two came along we were really into concrete and masonry and portland cement big time and most of the roofs were then hip roofs, not tall gables reaching to the sky like George Brown. And the buildings were a lot smaller, the ceilings were lower, and it all had to do with the availability of materials, the availability of craftsmen. A lot of people went off to war and all kinds of stuff like that. So the whole society changed and the buildings changed with what was happening in the world and what was happening in Trinidad. That is how architecture works. In our previous episode, we learned how Woodbrook's side streets got their names. We also know that the east-west streets called Tragarit and Ariapita were named after former estates. The southern boundary of Woodbrook is marked by a street called Rison Road. British engineer Walt Wrightson was director of public works and member of the legislative and executive councils from 1895 to 1907. He was a central figure in the water riots of 1903 having drafted a waterworks bill to install water meters in homes and increase water rates. That bill led to the Red House being set on fire by angry burgesses. More than a dozen people were killed by police. With the help of architect Daniel Hahn, Ryson also designed Queen's Royal College built in 1904, where many Woodbrook boys would later receive their secondary school education. Overon Padmore was one of those boys. Woodbrook itself was a very quiet, peaceful residential area. As a child, I remember going from one lower street to, on the evenings, afternoons really, to Adamsmith Square where we would play in the park and that sort of thing. Mr. Padmore served as the Minister of various ministries under the People's National Movement governments between 1971 and 2007. 
He was born in 1932 at the corner of Lewis Street and Rison Road and was raised in Woodbrook until the 1950s. He still remembers some of what the neighborhood looked like when he was a little boy in the 1930s. The houses on the northern side of Rison Road would have been the built area. Across the road, what is Rison Road there, was mud swamp. We used to go and catch crabs there. So this was sort of muddy area there. At the extension of Rosalina Street on the southern side, they paved a piece of that area there. We used to go and play windball cricket there. Eventually, that area on the southern side of Rison Road was called Harbour Scheme because it, a huge drainage project took place and the area was drained before it was built upon. In 1900, Rison devised and built a road to gain access to the town's sewage pumping station sited at Mukurapo Point on the Maraval River. At that time, the river flowed approximately where Anna Street is located today in Western Woodbrook. The single-lane, 1.6-kilometer roadway started close to Charles Street on the western edge of downtown Port of Spain and followed a path along the seashore on the Woodbrook Estate to the pumping station. Across the road from Anna Street, there was the Woodbrook pumping station. There was sewage development in Woodbrook and you had the pumping station at the bottom there that used to, well, operate to deal with waste disposal, and beyond that would again be open land. The current Audrey Jeffers Highway and Movie Town Complex area used to serve as yet another source of entertainment for Woodbrook's residents. When you crossed from Anna Street onto the other side, you went into what was called Slipway. Slipway was the extension of Anna Street. We used to go and swim there. But a lot of people were cautioned about it because it was very deep. So only those who were able to swim, and I mean, I used to swim there, but I mean, on reflection, I realized I was doing something very stupid because I wasn't as great a swimmer as all of that. But I mean, I was able to handle myself in the water. The roadway was converted into a dual carriageway in the 1930s by India-born engineer Ranjit Kumar and was fully completed by 1940. Rison Road would play a huge part in the next decade of Woodbrook's and Trinidad's history, with the signing of the Bases Agreement between Britain and the United States. That agreement of September 1940 made Trinidad a strategically important location during World War II. In our next episode, we'll travel through the late 1930s into the late 1940s to discover what effect World War II had on Woodbrook life. How did this middle-class population react to the American base right on its doorstep? What roles did Woodbrookians perform during the war? And are there really trenches under Adam Smith Square? In those days I were not in existence, but this was told to me by my grandparents. The transformation is... This podcast was made possible by the hard work and dedication of many people, including educator and historian Valerie Taylor, architect and urban planner Rudilyn DeFore Roberts, former government minister over on Padmore, and music curator Sean Randu. Let us give our compliments for the improvement is magnificent. We got the... the music in this episode was History of the Woodbrook Vicinity by the Mighty Growler. Mango Vare by Lovey Stringbam, the first recorded piece of Calypso music in 1912. And Iron Duke by Julian Whiterose, the first recorded vocal Calypso in 1914. Sound effects were MP38 Schmeisser, Variations, World War II, by Lubini.
and a big oval to play cricket with four dispensaries in case you are sick. We also got a market and dancing hall. We invite you to join us. Subscribe and spread the word. Tell a friend or ten about our podcast and our book. If you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment, click on the link in the show notes to record a voicemail. And we'll see you back here next time on Growing Up Woodbrook, the podcast. <laughs>